Welcome and welcome back to Soap Floor, the official gathering place for newbies, novices, and OG diehard fans of the golden age of prime time. I'm your host, Jet, and we're viewing and reviewing the soapiest study of primetime storylines of the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. Today is another watch with me. We're going to watch episode 6 of Dallas, The Dove Hunt. Don't know what it's about other than there's some sort of humping, ooh, <laughs> hunting trip, and bullets seem to fly. We'll figure it out in real time. I'm going to give you the good, the bad, the bold, and the bubbly of this iconic soap. So whether you're new to this or true to this, sit back and enjoy Tell the kids to play outside or out of sight. Tell Bay no questions, suggestions, or concerns for the next 25, 45 minutes. Tell everyone else in earshot. You can be cool, you can be quiet, or you can get kicked out. Because, baby, my stories are on. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is Soap Lord. Hey guys, hope everything's going well. Welcome back, Soap Fiends, to another fun-filled edition of Soap Lore. We're going to start off with Dallas this week. I figured since they won the Battle Royale last week, why not? We're going to see if Kristen is kicking up dust. I certainly hope so. I hope this isn't another moment like Valvoline, where she disappears for a long time. You forget they exist and they come back. It looks like they're coming back at the beginning of every season. We're going to see how this plays out. So the way I have it set up, y'all, it has been a week. It has been a long, ridiculous week, and I'm so grateful to spend this time with you guys. Kick my feet up, watch some, some vintage soap, and just enjoy my life. We're on episode six of season three. This one is called The Dove Hunt. I'm just going to read this to you. It says, on a hunting trip in Louisiana, Jock finds himself the target of revenge from a man he doesn't even remember. That is awesome. I actually like when the elderly people have these backstories because honestly that's the way to go we don't know who they were he's 60 65 years old who knows what his life was he could have been a, he could have a whole other family on the other side of dallas and we'd be none the wiser now i hope that's what's going on that's part of my expectation in watching these soaps these were not just any regular dagger ones. These were the biggest. Dallas, Dynasty, Falcon Crest wasn't as big, but the force is strong with that one. People are still pissed that it's not mentioned. I'm hoping for a little razzle dazzle, but you know what? We're going to take this one episode at a time. We're going to see if Pam is going to come clean. She really has to. This is, come on now. How long are you going to drag out this pregnancy, especially on a soap opera? You know how quickly. She's pregnant today, two weeks from now. She's eight months pregnant probably going to slip and fall down the steps. You know how it is. She's already fallen off a balcony. Sue Ellen fell down the steps. There ain't a pregnant woman safe in all of Dallas. And if you do have the baby, somebody's going to snatch it up. So let's get to the getting y'all. <laughs> y'all remember my roots. I've got the remote in hand. I need to make it make a trip to the grocery store pretty quickly. I have this. It's peach nectar comes in a can and Ooh, it's pretty. Let's see. Hmm, it's really good. It's really light and refreshing. It could use a little rum, but you do you. Go ahead and grab yourself something refreshing. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to watch it up since I'm watching it on freebie, which is within the Amazon Prime app. I'm going to watch it up to the commercial. I'll probably watch two commercial breaks, come back, fill you guys in, let it finish up, and then we'll talk our talk. Let's see what sort of riffraff the dove hunt is. Mm -hmm. 
And they wasted no time this episode. First thing out the gate, you see Ellie at the doctor's office. She's concerned about a lump in her breast. I definitely was not prepared for a serious topic right off bat, but she gets to show off those acting chops. Her doctor's not really that pressed about it. He says, yeah, it feels hard when you're sitting up and when you lie down. It was super soft. I couldn't even find it. Every lump doesn't mean cancer. Don't really worry about it. Why don't you just come on back tomorrow? Have your husband bring you. She, of course, doesn't want to bring her husband because, you know, he's old and not that bright. No shade. Let me not be ugly. This I have not seen a great deal of range from Jock. Jock was a looker back in the day. I can tell, though. Big, gruffy old man. Anyway, it is decided at the family dinner, which is a total bust. It's a complete and total dud. Everybody's looking really drab. Nobody's really talking for one reason or another. Now, JR, JR is still messing around with Kristen. And Kristen is doing that thing that young girls do when they think they're the most important woman in the world to you. She's babying him. She's rubbing his shoulders because this new deal I can't remember if I told you guys about it, but basically he is, he has convinced the bank to give him a loan for Southeast Asia. They're going to drill in Southeast Asia, but he put the ranch up as collateral or whatever. Of course, his father doesn't know about it and he's starting to feel he's pressed because it's, it's a lot more expensive. And if things don't go just so he's going to be found out. Worst thing in the world, his dad's going to find out about it and he's going to be humiliated and upset. Well, Kristen is putting two and two together, you can tell, but she's doing that thing that eager, young, young girls do when they're in love with someone and they think that they're, you know, he tells her he needs her or whatever. I just need you. Don't worry about the business. You just worry about taking care of me. So she's taking her job very seriously, but un- unfortunately for her, Jock shows up out of nowhere looking like old money, baby. He's got on a fly 1979 blue suit with the stitching on the outside. Big old country hat, just dripping in old cowboy, old money swag. Convinces his very pressed son. He don't have to convince nothing. He told him, JR, you finna go to lunch with me. So by the time they get to dinner, JR is, he's got ants in his pants. He's freaking out because there's so much going on. Like the phone's blowing up. He's got to stay on top of this because he can't let anybody else know about it. Trying to carry the burden alone, not a bright idea. So right before dinner, you know, they all meet in their living room and have a couple cocktails while the servants prepare a meal. Every day at six, whole family sits down together for a meal. Well, Lucy's pumped. She tells Bobby like, yo, Bob, guess what? My mom... Valvoline, Vanita, Vanetta, whatever her name is, showed up at cheerleading practice today. And she told me that she's been talking to my daddy. You think we're going to get these things going to get back together? And Bobby's, he's being optimistic, but JR overhears this and he's like, there we go again. This, your mama is such a tramp. Don't hold your breath. Remember how they hurt you last time. And Lucy's like, well, you hurt me too. But he's like, did I leave you or no? Do you live with me? Do you see me every day or no? She's like, shut up, fool. Anyway, this is all getting to be a little too much for Ellie. So by the time they sit down and eat, you know, she's got this on the back of her mind. She's like, do I have cancer? Have this lump in my breast? She's clearly worried about it. And, you know, Jock's trying to talk to her. The family's talking. And as a woman or just as a grown adult, sometimes when your mind is elsewhere, you can't really think about anything else. You just send the kids outside, which is why we I tell you at the beginning of every episode, Send the kids outside or out of sight. And Ellie said, you know what, Jet? That's the best damn idea I've heard all day. So she says, hey, Jock, 
why don't you take the kids, i.e. Bobby and, uh, oh, JR. <laughs> why don't y'all get on the first thing smoking, go to Louisiana and go hunting for a couple days. I think y'all need to get away. Y'all are all too stressed. Everybody needs to leave. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Well, they decide to take Ray. I know for a fact. Anytime they start talking about people out of the blue, like even this, uh, I watched the, the credits that rolled before and Ray was in him. I'm sure he's always in him. Maybe I skip him, but he seems a little more front and center this episode. And JR is annoyed that Ray is going on the trip. And Bobby's like, oh, you know how, how dad feels about Ray. I ain't seen Ray since Jock gave him that land and he was going to build his his cabin. You don't really see him that much. He showed up that one time Valvoline showed up, but he hasn't been in the episodes as much. So they're bringing him back to the forefront. And as I'm speaking, I had totally forgotten about him and Jr. having that beef after he stole that girl Garnett, a.k.a. Red from Orange is the New Black. They have beef. They don't really like each other. And I also forgot that Ray figured out that there's been pumping on South Fork. So he has an arsenal. If he ever really wanted to do something, if JR even barked at him wrong, looked at him the wrong way, poured the wrong juice or whatever, he could absolutely be like, hey, Jock, I got some real funny information to tell you. So it's like JR has a problem, but he's going to keep it quiet. So anyway, they get on down to Louisiana in their chopper. I forgot that the Ewings have a chopper. I will say this. Wealth looks very different in very different parts of the world. A chopper... Ain't no private jet. There's, you know, what I'm, I would much rather fly commercial to Louisiana in 30 minutes than get on a chopper. Last time they were in the chopper that I remember, didn't they uh, disappear over a swamp or something in Louisiana? If memory serves me correctly, no good is going to come from this. And it's abundantly clear when they show up in the little town. Now, side note, <laughs> Those of you who were born in the 80s and probably early 90s are going to understand this or anybody who has a family member with a coupe car. Back in the day, before OJ, so before like 94, car companies made two-door kind of SUVs. Of course, they didn't call them SUVs back then, but they had the Bronco. They brought the Bronco back, but a lot of car companies had a vehicle a lot like that where you had the full range of an SUV, but there were only two doors. Let me tell you what, there's nothing harder than being over five foot four, crawling in and out the back of a seat. I used to hate, once I got to be about 14, having to let the seat down in front of you and crawl out of a car. Oh, it's for the birds. If you have a coupe, you understand what I'm saying. If you have, if you've ever had to ride in the back of it, it's perfectly fine if you're driving, but two door trucks should have never been a thing. Is that what I said? Anyway, they go into this general store and the storekeep is mad creepy anyway. There's just something a little goofy about him is what it seems like. He seems goofy. Ray's reading off this list of things they're going to need, like can of beans, eggs, just whatever you're going to use to camp. And somehow or another, they say the name Ewing. Well, the, the storekeep guy, his eyes get real big. He starts acting even creepier, licking his lips even more like Ewing. He's he's freaked out clearly and they're all just kind of like what the hell what's wrong with him he's tripping whatever bobby does a cleanup on aisle three this is the first time i've seen this on this season but his cleanup on aisle three he's talking to ray and he's like well some people just don't like it when they hear that name sometimes they hear ewing as in ewing oil they have these preconceived notions they think we're going to be rich jerks i'm paraphrasing here 
So a lot of people get a little bit funny. You know what I mean? Basically, it's the price you pay for being who you are, man. You roll with the Ewings, people are going to hate on us. It just is what it is. So they leave and they head across the street to a bar. I guess it's, I didn't think about this. I guess the barkeep or the, the storekeeper is supposed to bundle all the groceries and they'll just come back later to pick it up, I guess, because they didn't walk out with anything. But when they leave, creepy storekeeper whose name is Ben immediately gets on the phone and he calls someone named Tom. And he says, Tom, you're never going to believe this. Ewing, Jock Ewing just walked in the store. They walked across the street. They're in the bar right now. Now Ben, or Tom, turns out to be a very haggard looking, weathered old man who's been waiting patiently for a track to explode on for 32 years. He can't believe his luck. He can't believe it. So he makes a few phone calls, I'm assuming. Gets a, a ragtag motley crew together and in they walk in the bar to confront Jock Ewing. Oh my goodness, Jock Ewing is about that life, baby. The guy comes in and he says, Ewing. So Jock turns his old butt around and he's like, Are you talking to me or are you talking to all of us? I guess except for A, but whatever. You roll, you with the Ewings, you're Ewing. And the guy's like, I'm talking to you. You're in my territory now. And it looks like an old-fashioned Western. His hat is not nearly as swaggy as Jock's. He's definitely a few inches shorter. He's got that weirdo storekeeper with him. And some young kid who really ain't got no business. What are you doing there? You can't, I can't believe this kid came to fight this old man. But this, this dude, he's got his stance out real wide. And he's, yeah, yeah, you're in my territory now. That name doesn't mean anything. Now, Jock has an ice cold glass of beer. He's cutting up with his boys. He did not come there for no fight. So he turned the looks and he says, well, since I didn't say it was, I'll go, I'll, you know, I'm going to get back to my conversation. You can feel the secondhand embarrassment from the rest of the people in the bar. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is the best thing I've ever seen. Best episode yet. Season three, episode six of Dallas the Dove Hunt. Baby. So the old man's like, he's talking trash. Well, there's no, there's no Ewing organization here to help you. It's just you. And Jock's like, what, who, what, sir? Are you okay, sir? So the man, Tom, insists, stand up and look at me. Look at me. So Jock stands up and he's like, I'm looking right at you. And the man puffs out his chest and says, I'm Tom Owens. Crickets. Just blank. No recognition whatsoever on Jock's face. And Tom's like, well, like, dude, don't you, you don't, you don't remember me? Really? Not at all. Now, by this point, Bobby's had all he can take. He's about that life. He's ready to jump up. Jock's like, man, be cool. I'm trip. I see JR in the corner. He starts taking off his watch, his jewelry, if you will. So I'm like, okay, are the Ewing's about that life? Apparently they are. Tom sucker, well, he doesn't sucker punch him. He punches Jock in the face and the fight is on and popping. Raise up on his feet before, before you know it. Bobby swinging, he, he does beat the brakes off of an old man, which I felt was very disrespectful. I understand your daddy's fighting, but your 65-year-old dad fighting a 67-year-old man is fair. You can't be 40 years younger than a man and then stomp him out in front of God and everybody and his grandchildren. Beat him down. Ray beat down the kid with the quickness, and whoever else wanted some got some. They jumped in. Meanwhile, Jr. is sitting at the t at the table drinking his beer. And I'm like, oh, okay. He just didn't want his jewelry to get snatched. He thought Debo was there. He thought his chain was going to get snatched. So he hit it. And 
Bobby tosses someone over the table or Jog does, I forget. That's when JR busts him over the head with the glass. Then the U-Wings get up. They don't pay their bill. They walk out, you know, feeling like the man. Laughing and carrying on because they done stomped out these dudes talking about this is the best bar fight I ever had. I tell you what, Jock's got moves. Jock was agile. He's got those big old paws. He would, oh my God, I would hate to be punched by him. I've never been punched by a man, but you don't want to be hit in the face by someone who has fists the size of baseball gloves. Oh my, that escalated quickly. While in the Louisiana countryside, Little things start to go amiss as they begin camping. A lamp explodes. Next thing you know, they're hearing bullets. JR wakes up, not JR. Jock is, you know, enjoying the scenery, living his life when he looks over and he sees someone, a stranger, fiddling under the hood of their vehicle. He calls out to him. The person makes, runs away. He makes chase. He's then shot in the side. JR, who was day sleeping in a mosquito net tent, wakes up with all the commotion. It actually sounds like a Civil War reenactment. All the pew, 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 all the bullets whizzing by. Seems to me like only Bobby and Ray are equipped to deal with this sort of unfriendly fire. Jock lies bleeding out. They make chase. They shoot. Ray starts picking up shells or whatever. I don't know if Ray was maybe he was in Vietnam and he's just got that instinct. So he knows how to hunt him down. They quickly come to the conclusion that, hey, this wasn't an unfortunate series of events. This was an ambush. We now have to decide what to do. JR, as he rolls out of his tent, he's accidentally grazed in the leg or something. He's fine. He's totally fine. So he's already been shot. Bobby and Ray decide that one of them needs to stay and hold down the fort and the other must walk into town. Now, the problem with this is they were both in a very physical, very embarrassing bar fight. Who are they going to run into? Will they be friendly? Have to wait and see. JR ends up convincing them, hey, I'm just grazed. I can totally still shoot a gun. You guys run along. Meanwhile, Jack, Jock, Jock, is sweating profusely, hoping the high heavens that they make it to town and find a friendly face, come back and save his butt. Save his old decrepit behind. I mean, stop saying that. He's not decrepit. And listen, that bar fight show, he's, he's still got it. I hope they start using him a little bit more. Mm, 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 mm. Friends, friends, the soap level of this episode has risen exponentially. Before I tell you this, let me be very clear. In my pursuit a vintage soap opera reaction pureness, I go to great lengths to ensure that I am not being spoon-fed any plot lines, any extravagant details of any sort. All I know is this show was popping. It was shot in Dallas. Well, it was not shot in Dallas, clearly. But uh, JR's is a villain. And that's about it. However, I am a TV kid. I love television. I love programming just like this. Oh my gosh, how old am I? The programs, I'm watching my programs. No, seriously, I enjoy television and I've read a lot of books over time. So it's like you kind of start to get a nose for where the story could and should go. At the top of this episode, I had no idea what was going to happen. <sighs> One of the first episodes I did about Dallas, I, I talked about who the, I thought the show was based on. And it was basically there was this re really wealthy oilman in Dallas who ended up having three families 
and like they're still filthy rich to this day. Tell me why Jock just confessed to JR. He's on his cot, sweating profusely, thinking to himself like, dang, this is going to be it. I had a whole heart attack last year. You know, I'm not going to live forever. So certain things are going to have to start coming to light. So he's pondering his existence. He's thinking and he's like, JR, I need to tell you something I've never told anybody. And I thought he was going to confess to knowing who this guy was, knowing who Owens was, and maybe maybe it was another love triangle with Ellie. Thought something like that. Stole's girl did something to him on purpose. No, no, no. Uh, but he did have a whole marriage before he met Ellie. It's not that shocking, but I guess back in the day, it would have been a little bit more controversial. So back in the day, Jock was married and he claims he was a wildcatter. He was a young man and the oil game at the time was so vicious. It was exactly like the wild, wild west. People were being shot and killed over deals, over land, over oil in general. He had married this girl who he claimed, he said she was fragile. She was a fragile sort who needed to be taken care of. So I'm thinking like, was she petite? What do you, what do you mean? Well, according to him, she took personal offense and she internalized all the stress, all of the murder, all of the, you know, stealing, living, thievery. She just wasn't built for it. And so two years into their relationship, into their marriage, she had a nervous breakdown. The breakdown was so bad that the doctor just said, hey, dude, she's never going to be right in the head ever, ever again. Her mental capacity is just gone best thing you can do is quietly divorce her and tuck her away in some sort of institution. Put her back somewhere where nobody can find her. And Jock did just that. So according to him, she has been living in some sort of asylum in Denver ever since. 40 plus years, allegedly. Living in this asylum, but he has been sneakily sending her a check every month to make sure that she's taken care of. So JR's just like, dang, like... I thought I was a scumbag, but clearly the apple didn't fall far from the tree. See, I knew that. It takes one to know one. He has to understand that he's going to be ruthless like him. So you know he's done dirt in the past. Well, JR's just like, yo, wow, this is, he's just kind of shook. He can't believe it. But then Jock goes to prize a little deeper. He's like, this really has me thinking, JR, I can leave at any time. I had a heart attack last year. I could be gone at any second. I need to get my affairs in order, starting with the company. I'm going to be a little more involved. I want to like a full run through of all of our assets. I want to make sure I set up Amanda. That's her name, Amanda Lewis. I'm going to make sure she's set up. She's Gucci. She's golden. Just in case something happens to me, I'd hate to die. And she put out, she'd be put out on the street with no no one to take care of her, no one to take care of her day-to-day living expenses. So JR has that look on his face, like when you know you ever got in trouble by your parents and you know it's going to be so bad or they're tiptoeing around a subject and you're like, oh my God, if they found out what I really did, I'm going to, this is going to be the worst thing that ever happened to me. He's looking so pressed. So he's like, crap. So all's well that ends well. Eventually Owen and his Two people, I guess, are his sons, show up. And one of the sons has been shot because Jock was, um, JR was taking a nap. So they easily got the drop on him, snuck, took the guns away and pointed him at Jock and JR. And Owen starts to tell his story. So back in the day, Jock stole his farm. He didn't steal it outright. What he did is he went to go buy the Owens' farm. Owen said no. So J- Jock spread his money around so that no one else would buy it, basically forcing his hand and then taking the land. 
Now, he still don't remember the man, but because of these recent events, the fact that he's bleeding out in the swamps of Louisiana, he's like, wow, now's not the time to be cocky. Let me go ahead and humble myself. Right about this time, Ray and Bobby show back up. They went to town. There was nobody who could help him. Allegedly, the law isn't there. There's no police station for 100 miles. The doctor makes house calls, so he's not around. So they decide they're going to steal the truck, Grand Theft Auto style, and they drive back through to the woods, to the campsite, and then they get the drop on Owens and his family. They take their guns. And this is when Jock's like, you know what? Don't even worry about it. I'm not going to press charges. Owens, you've really given me something to think about. That's all a man can take to his grave is is pride. And I'm sorry for what I've done from you. I still don't recognize you. Sorry. You know, I stole a lot of land back in the day. I am who I am. I can't, uh, I can't change the past, but I can be a better man going forward. It only gets better because this is 1979 and these people are super wealthy. Jock can afford shout out to a living wage. He can afford to take an ambulance ride all the way back to Texas. Now my heart was racing as I saw this This is a trauma (laughs) of being a millennial. You could never, maybe you get an ambulance ride to the hospital and that's, you know, God knows how much that's going to cost. But across state lines, ooh, I don't even want to think about it. But once they get home, everyone's outside, they're greeting Jock, blah, blah, blah. Kristen is there. Even though she has her own apartment, Kristen is at the house or, you know, she's greeting Jock and the guys as they come back into town. Everyone else leaves and it's just Jock and JR. But Kristen is lingering on the side. She's lingering in the rings, right? She's taking her sweet time walking into the house and she overhears Jock tell JR, hey, make sure you take care of Amanda. Remember what I said? I need you to still send her money. Blah, blah, blah. End scene credits roll. Kristen is a, is a very bright woman. She's playing her part. She's slowly collecting these little chess pieces. She's slowly building this arsenal up. And I'm starting to suspect that perhaps this relationship or situationship with JR is just that. It is a means to an end. It is a way for her to collect enough money to then live her life as she so sees fit. Perhaps she will become an architect. What better way you can, you can marry a rich man. You can be a rich man's side piece and receive gifts and an apartment, or you can manipulate a rich man, blackmail a rich man and be set for life. I tend to believe the latter. We'll have to wait and see. That's it for episode six. All in all, that was a lot more razzle dazzle than I was ever expecting with this. I thought a hunting trip just seemed really boring. The guy's Owen's background story is a little bit lame. But nonetheless, now we know that this family has enemies north, south, east, and west. And they're not afraid to come out of the woodworks, shoot you, do what they need to do. All right, guys, that's it for now. Join me tomorrow. That's right, tomorrow. I am committing to doing three episodes a week at the very least. Join me tomorrow where we'll watch one of our other shows. Don't know if it's going to be Dynasty or Falcon Crest. Either way, it's going to be a good time. Enjoy the rest of your day. Stay hydrated, mind your business, and keep all of your drama on TV.